Hey there, adventurer. I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. Unfortunately, uh, early in college, um, I had lost a friend as well to suicide. And, you know, at 18, 19 years old, uh, there isn't much that makes you grow up real, real fast. Um, but being one of the people carrying your friend's casket to his final resting place makes you grow up really, really fast. Welcome to the Hard Thing Podcast. Today, we are overcoming average. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Hard Thing Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you overcome average, step up above mediocrity, all by doing hard things. Our goal here is to help you improve your life in meaningful ways, all by doing those hard things you know you need to do, but you've probably been avoiding. We want to give you the tips, tricks, tactics, tools, techniques, whatever you need to do those hard things. And I'm excited to share with you my guest or my conversation with my guest today. Before we get to that, a couple announcements. And actually, the first one is a favor. So if you would like to do a favor for us at the show, um, go ahead and share this podcast with someone you know that could benefit from it. Someone who might be doing a hard thing right now or might be trying to do a hard thing and, and share this with them and hopefully we can help them uh, accomplish it. So that's the first thing. Second thing, I want to invite you to go to Operation Underground Railroad, their website. So it's OURrescue.org. And while you're doing that, I want you to think of a child that you love, uh, a young person that you think about and you care about. And if you ever thought any harm would come to them, you would just be outraged. Well, there are millions of children all over the world who are enslaved in sex trafficking. And it's, it's a horrible thing, but Operation Underground Railroad, a nonprofit actually, goes undercover to rescue these kids. And it's a big job, and, and they need lots of help, so go to OURrescue.org and donate some time or some money, or go to GoFundMe.com slash Overcoming-Average to help us as a podcast raise $1,000 for OUR. You can also buy t-shirts or hoodies in the link in the show notes below. And the proceeds of that will go straight towards helping us raise that $1,000 to help rescue some kids. I think these kids need our help. And if you're in a position to help out, I think you should. I also want to invite you to go to bridleuphope.org. They are also a nonprofit organization that instead of helping kids in general, they just help young girls who have experienced some sort of trauma or some sort of depression, and they help these young girls live a better life all by instilling in them the seven habits of highly effective people. It's a wonderful organization. We actually interviewed the president uh, on the third episode of the podcast, so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. And also go to bridalpope.org and donate some money and help these young girls live a better life. Now, let's get to today's show. Today, my guest is Ian Harding, and he has a wonderful story to tell. He tells of his transformation from being a 300-pound couch potato, as he describes himself, to running 
multiple running races, including three times at the national championship, uh, the national triathlon championship. And he's also the host of the Do It Yourself podcast. We have a very wonderful conversation today. He's he's very articulate, which I very much enjoyed. And I think he has a lot to share. Um, so I guess, you know, enough from me. Let's go ahead and hear Ian Harding. Well, thank you for being on my show, Ian. I am very excited to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to it, Justin. Uh, this is going to be a, a great conversation and uh, just looking forward to, to sharing my story and, and getting connected with you. Excellent. Um, you have had quite a transformation. And uh, I want to go back to the very beginning. Uh, the way you described this to me was you said you were a 300-pound couched potato. And take us back to then, what your life was like, how you were feeling, and what what prompted the change? So it actually started before then. Mm -hmm. um, it started before, you know, realizing that I was over 300 pounds. Um, it, it started back when I was a kid. And wow. I I was always the, the bigger kid. I was always the kid who's, you know, overweight, um, but nothing to the extent that was super alarming for, you know, doctors or pediatricians or anything like that. But right. overweight enough that fellow classmates and kids um, who I, not that I would typically hang around, but that I was sure. around with, you know, in, in class and everything like that, um, would make fun of me. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I soon started to realize that, you know, I, I didn't want to be the, the fat kid that was eating. And so I learned at a pretty young age that if people didn't see me eating, um, it made me somehow feel better, you know, about my size or, or right. you know, people making fun of me. Um, and it's, it's strange. It's a very strange way of thinking, but I found that through talking with other people who have had similar experiences, um, it's a commonality and there are, are a lot of people who actually hide their eating and it does start at a fairly young age. Um, so I, I would, you know, go up to the, you know, buffet at a family gathering mm -hmm. or at a friend's house. Um, and I would get what I felt was a normal portion size. Um, you know, so I'd get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But later on, when nobody was looking, um, if the food was still out, that's when I would go back and get more. I would, I would sneak a little bit here or a little bit there uh, when nobody was watching right. um, because I was still hungry you know, but I didn't want people to see me eating. Um, and I guess maybe it was a little bit of, you know, I didn't want people to, to correct that behavior and say like, you know, right. Hey, stop eating. Um, but it, it, <clears throat> it just was one of those things where, um, you know, I, I didn't want to be seen as the big kid who was eating. And there was one experience that I had that, I, I still remember to this day and I remember, I mean, I remember sitting in the chair across from this woman and she was a counselor um, at, at the, the elementary school where I was right. going. And I went to a Catholic elementary school. So they didn't take too kindly to people who acted out. Yeah. And unfortunately, as the, the bigger kid and the kid who was being made fun of, I would react to the kids who are making fun of me and I would be the one who would get caught and get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah. so they sent me to this counselor and the counselor, you know, was having a conversation with me and she was asking me what was going on. She's asking me, you know, why I'm acting out, why I'm responding to these kids. And I, I told her they're, you know, they're making fun of me for my size and this and that. Yeah. And um, so then we got on the discussion and the topic of food and her advice to me was, you know, the next time you go out to McDonald's and you're going to order food to eat, um, instead of getting two cheeseburgers, why don't you just get one? And that was her piece of advice to me. And it was terrible advice, but it's something that still sat with me for all this time. Right. And... You know, it's something that obviously, you know, I'll never forget. I mean, I, I'm an adult now and I still remember this entire conversation that we had. And so it was just it just didn't make sense. And I started to carry this hiding of eating food uh, all through, you know, middle school, high school. Mm -hmm. And around that time, I realized that it didn't matter who I was eating in front of, right? That, you know, that the yeah. we're still going to make fun of me. But what I did realize was that if I made the joke first, it somehow made it sting just a little bit less. Yeah. And so I began making the joke first and I began, um, you know, hitting the punchlines and, and beating people to making the joke. And, it seemed like it was working, right? It seemed yeah. like it was taking away that pain. Um, but deep down inside, the the words are still there. And so, you know, obviously looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, you know, the <laughs> things that, that you say to yourself about yourself, <clears throat> you know, it, you really start to believe them especially yeah. when they're coming out of your own mouth, right? They're your own thoughts. They're your own words. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, middle school and early high school was a really difficult time. It was a really difficult time. And I mean, it's difficult for everybody, but, mm -hmm. you know, I just felt like it was, it was difficult to, to find my group of friends, my clique and, and who didn't care what I looked like, didn't care what I ate, you know, and they just, liked me for me and i feel like that's, yeah. that's something that everybody wants right and it's something that in that point in your life it's something that everyone's looking for that that's the a very very formative time yeah. in your life and so around my junior year i actually started playing lacrosse and i wasn't super super like couch potato overweight and that's when I found my group of friends it was towards my my end of junior year of high school and into my senior year of high school. And from that point, all through our senior year of high school, we had the absolute closest group of friends. Like yeah. there was no separating us. We <laughs> hung out every single weekend. Um, we had a rotation of four or five houses that we would go to every weekend throughout our senior year of high school, we would party at that house for the weekend. And then the next weekend we'd pick a different house and we would do the same thing <laughs> all over again. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, I have zero regrets about doing that. And 
granted, yes, we were, you know, 17, 18 years old. Were we breaking the law? Yes, we were, right? We were underage. <laughs> we were consuming alcohol. But in the grand scheme of things, n- nobody got hurt. Nobody ever got in a car. The worst thing that we probably did was throw on boxing gloves and, like, you know, have a boxing fight in the backyard. Right. You know? So, <clears throat> I mean, I, I understand that, you know, yes, big picture, we were breaking the law. But sure. I I wouldn't trade any of those nights that we had back in high school um, or the memories that, that we made or the relationships. And I mean, I am still friends with every single person that I hung out with in high school to this day. Um, We are, you know, still a very close group of friends. Obviously people grow up, you know, people Mm -hmm. get busy, people get married. Um, But, you know, it seems like, we pick up right where we left off, and I, I just saw these people about a month ago, actually, for a wedding, and <laughs> it was like it was like n- you know no time had passed, right? And and unfortunately, as you get older, you know, it seems like you you really only start to see people for weddings and funerals, yeah. um, but it still seems like no time passes between each meeting that we have, um, and so. My senior year and the summer after my senior year continued on like this, right? We we hung out every single weekend, and there was just – there was no separating us until late August when it was time for everyone to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a plan. I never took the SATs. Um, and so I enrolled just in community college. And everybody else went away to college. Mm-hmm. And so right there, I felt like I was back in that position again yeah. of, you know, I, I don't have anybody to hang out with. Right. Um, all of my friends are gone. And I started to see, you know, pictures that were being put up. And it got to the point where, you know, as silly as this sounds... I felt like I was being left behind and my friends were out making new friends. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't really know how to handle that. And unfortunately, uh, early in college, um, I had lost a friend as well to suicide. And, you know, at 18, 19 years old, uh, there isn't much that makes you grow up real, real fast. Um, but being one of the people carrying your friend's casket to his final resting place makes you grow up really, really fast. And you realize that, you know, things don't last forever. Um, and so from that point, um, I started to make more of an effort to go and, and visit friends and travel to the different schools. And, you know, I had my friends that, you know, I were close with, and mm-hmm. there were some friends that were, you know, their schools were only an hour away, you know, 30 minutes away. Um, so I started to kind of find my groove again. Um, and on top of that, I was working and I started dating someone. And 
when I was dating this person, I found out that she was taking sleeping medication to sleep. And for whatever reason in my head, I thought, wow, that sleeping medication seems fun. Like she would always be like kind of silly and loopy when she would take yeah. sleeping medication. And I'm like, oh, that kind of seems like fun. And so I figured out a way to go to my doctor, tell them exactly what they needed to hear in order to prescribe the sleeping medication. And I walked out of the doctor's office that day with a prescription for the sleeping medication. Just well. like that. Another quick pause, guys. Uh, I want to talk to you about Audible. Now, it is the month of February, which means on our Thursday meditation show, we have the theme, you could say, of relationships and how to build relationships. Now, I want to tell you about a book. It's called The Like Switch. And that book, I think, has the key to relationship. It actually has a formula. Basically, in order to grow any relationship, you need to add proximity to uh, frequency to intensity to duration. Basically meaning you need to be physically closer to someone often for as long as you can, eliciting as many positive emotions as possible. And that's the key to building relationships. Have you ever wondered why uh, you can sit next to someone without ever knowing their name and sooner or later you'll just be talking to them normally just because you're close to them so your interactions will happen naturally. So I want to invite you to get a free copy of the like switch in audio format. So an audible, uh, an audible audiobook, free. Just go to audibletrialcom slash the hard thing podcast. Get a free audiobook today, as well as start your free 30 day trial. Audible offers over 180,000 titles of genres that you've probably never even heard of, including ones you've heard of. Uh, I'm butchering this ad, so just disregard all my mistakes. Just go to audibletrialcom slash the hard thing podcast. Uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to stop making a fool of myself and get back to the show. And so I began taking the sleeping medication. That relationship, you know, fizzled its way out and there were mm -hmm. no hard feelings. Um, we were just at different points in our lives. I mean, you know, we were young and sure. we things just, you know, kind of we went our separate ways. And um, after that relationship had ended, I... I found myself in a new relationship, but this relationship was very, <clears throat> very unhealthy. And I didn't obviously see that at the time. And no matter how many people tried to tell me how unhealthy this relationship was, mm -hmm. I didn't want to listen to them. And, there were only a few select people who really knew about this relationship. Um, but from the rest of the world, it was a complete secret and it needed to be kept that way. And so, as you can imagine, trying to keep up with a lie can really take its toll on yeah. some you You have to constantly come up with a story. You have to constantly come up with where you're going, what you're doing to tell someone and it's not really what the case is or, you know, to make yourself feel better about the situation, 
you say where you're going, but in a roundabout way. And mm-hmm. you, you, you almost make yourself believe that you're telling the person the truth, but you're really not. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So you would say, oh, I'm going, you know, to the movies. Oh, who are you going with? Oh, just some friends. So, yes, you might be going to the movies. Yes, you're going with a quote-unquote friend, but it's not a group of friends. You're just going with one friend, you know? Um, And so it it just got to the point where trying to keep up with that lie just became too much. And I had turned 21, and so, you know, obviously one of the – I don't know, perks, benefits, curses, however you want to look at it with turning (laughs) 21, um, you now can just go to the store and purchase whatever alcohol you want. uh, Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to blink an eye because you're 21. And that's, you know, that's your God given right at the age of 21. Um, And so, you know, through trying to keep up with this lie, the sleeping medication just wasn't enough for me to sleep at night. And so I began pairing the sleeping medication with alcohol well and you know as as the relationship went on more people began to find out um and it it turned into an us against the world mentality Mm -hmm. and we were gonna you know we were gonna win we were gonna beat this out and we were gonna we were gonna make it and we, we didn't right and it was yeah. obviously looking back now it, it's quite clear um that that was not going to work and it's almost pretty clear now that i was actually just used as a, a stepping stone to mm-hmm. get out of a relationship in a situation that she was in um and you know as difficult as that is to still say to this day um you know it's something that that was a wake up call for me right. and through this wake up call, um, you know, the night, the final night that, that, uh, we decided that we were done and we weren't going to speak anymore. Um, I had gone out with a group of friends and after going out, you know, we went from bar to bar to bar. Um, long story short, I ended up about a mile and a half away from, the last bar that we went to and I have no idea how I got there. Wow. Zero recollection of getting there. Um, the only thing that I do know was one, I was on foot. Um, and two, I had at least, uh, maybe half a mind to get out of the way when I saw headlights coming. So yeah. I'm assuming I was walking on the road and I had, enough sense about me to either get out of the road or get somewhere safe away from the headlights. And it wasn't, I wasn't thinking about getting hit by the car. I was thinking about, I don't want to get caught, (laughs) you know, walking down the road at one o'clock in the morning and get in trouble and get arrested, you know, for drunk in public or whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, after all this happened, I knew that I needed to make something happen. I needed to make some sort of change. And sure. obviously when you're, you know, drinking to that extent and you're eating pretty much whatever you want, you could only imagine, you know, the shape that my body was in. Sure. But I started working at a new health club 
and I was teaching swim. And as part of being a swim instructor and a swim coach, you had access to the facility when you weren't working and you could utilize anything that you wanted in the gym. So you could use any machine you wanted. You could use, you know, you could, aside from classes that you needed to pay for, anything else was, was fair game. Yeah. So I sent a message to one of my best friends who is an athletic trainer. And I said, listen, I start at the health club. I have access to this place. Um, I want you to send me something, send me some kind of plan that I can go off of that I can start. And so he sent it to me. I went in on a Monday and I started following exactly what he told me to do. And I remember the only stipulation that he gave me was I was 100% not allowed to run. So I could do any (laughs) other form of cardio that I wanted to, but I was not allowed to run. Why? Because of my size. Ah. He didn't want, he didn't want me to put that kind of stress and that kind of pounding on my knees and my joints being as heavy as I was. And so, I mean, think about that though. (laughs) If, if you want to start losing weight or you want to start getting fit, getting healthy, what's the least restrictive, lowest cost (laughs) to entry, easiest thing that you could start doing? Uh, it's running. I mean, all, all it takes is a pair of sneakers, right? You don't have yeah. to have a treadmill. You don't have to have any sort of fancy gear. You don't have. You literally just have to put on a pair of shoes and get moving. So for me, that was like, oh man, like I can't do this one thing right. that would probably be the easiest. But I said that's fine, you know. So I started doing the bike. I started doing the elliptical. Um, I was allowed to walk. I was allowed to swim. Um, so I started doing any sort of low impact cardio that mm-hmm. I could, um, along with the weight program that he gave me. And I think the biggest difference from this time starting versus any other time that I'd started in the past was this mm-hmm. time. It was my decision. I reached out to him and I yeah. said, I'm ready to go. I want to start. I need you to help me versus someone coming to me saying, Hey, let me help you. Right. And on top of that, I completely immersed myself in all things, weight loss, health, diet. I wanted to become obsessed with this new journey. And so Mm -hmm. I did just that. And I got, I made an account on bodybuilding.com. I made an Instagram account. I started surfing through hashtags. I started asking people who put up transformation pictures, if they were following a diet or what their macros were or what they, how much protein they ate. Like I was my own guinea pig and I would just test and try and just go through whatever I could in order to get the results that I wanted. And there was no more rewarding feeling than stepping on the scale, you know, once a week and seeing the number go down. (laughs) 
I mean, and that was really the driving force. Like that was the driving force. I would get on the scale, the number would go down. And if I got on the scale, you know, and the number didn't go down, um, I would try and tweak something. And I wouldn't go as far as decreasing my calories to an extreme amount. Right. So I wouldn't like, I wouldn't drop down to only eating like an apple for breakfast and two almonds for lunch and then a (laughs) bowl of just lettuce for dinner. Like I'd never did that because I understood that you still needed to eat food. And I think I, the reason that I understood that is because I watched and read a lot on bodybuilding.com that, that showed me that that was the case. Mm -hmm. And so I went on, you know, this journey of doing this weightlifting program and doing my cardio. And I was probably a couple months in and I received a message from a friend and she said, Hey, I see what you're doing. You know, everything's fantastic. I'm I'm really proud of you. Um, (laughs) I'm coaching an adult for swim at the gym where I'm working and she is training for a triathlon. Would you do a triathlon with me? Wow. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that she just sent this message to me because I was thinking about, I was already thinking about doing a triathlon, (laughs) but literally never told anyone. I had, I had not told a soul and you know, we don't have to get into the topic of a higher power, you know, karma or believing, you know, whatever it may be, but I will just say I'm a firm believer in, Everything happens for a reason. And Mm. she sent me that text message. She had this feeling to say, I'm going to text Ian and ask him about a triathlon for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. And so we searched and found a race. Um, We signed up. And still, at this point, when we signed up for this triathlon, I was still overweight. Right? I was still... Yeah. I was still big. And... I said, you know what? I have enough time. I'll figure it out as I go along. But yeah. I'm going to sign up for this race because it's going to give me a goal. And I was broke, right? I was still in college. So <laughs> to cough up, what, 150 or, you know, however much it was, I don't even remember. Yeah. But, you know, it could have been it could have been 50 bucks. Like as a broke college student, you're not going to lose out on 50 bucks. No. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's, you know, that was going to hold me accountable. Plus I, I said to Megan, I'm going to do this with you. And I am not one who's going to go back on their word. I'm just not. So, you know, we trained and it, the race fell almost exactly a year after I had started my journey. (laughs) Wow. So I, Went ahead and did the race. Um, I finished fifth in my age group for that race. I had the absolute best time during that race. And it's still a day that I'll never forget. And after the race, of course, I was on social media. And I started seeing these pictures that people had posted about their times and how Mm -hmm. they qualified for the USA Triathlon National Championship at the race that I had just done. So I'm like, well, what does that mean? And how do you do that? So again, I get, I dig myself into this rabbit <laughs> hole 
and start to try and figure out, okay, how, how do you do this? Like, how do you qualify for the USA Triathlon National Championship? So in my, you know, next seasons, I had qualified for the national championship. Um, I've gone on to race the national championship three times now. And it's funny because, you know, you still are never as excited as that first day. And I'll never forget what it felt like for that first time because you just, I don't even remember ever being in pain during that first race. Like it was just such a high to be racing and, and, and be competitive. Like I was running with people, you know, and, and, Yes, there were some people that passed me. I passed some people, but I was being competitive in something, and it was the first time. So I don't ever even remember being in pain for that race. But now there's definitely some races that I can pinpoint where I can say, oh, yeah, I remember that one, and I remember I was hurting really bad mm-hmm. during that that race at this spot. Um, and so I've you know, gone on to – also race triathlons of, of varying distances all the way from the sprint distance, which was the one that I had done for the first time, mm-hmm. up to a 70.3-mile race, which is a half Ironman. So it's still oh my a, gosh. a swim, bike, and run. Um, and the different distances add up to 70.3 miles. Um, oh, and my gosh. Yeah, I've done uh, running races from you know 5K to 10K to... Um, oddly enough, I have not done a standalone half marathon. So I've run 13.1 miles, um, in a half Ironman, the, the, obviously the run is a half marathon, but I've never done just a half marathon, like strictly a half marathon. Um, but I have done a full marathon and we'll, we'll talk about the full marathon, um, when, when we get to some of your questions later. Sure. But, um, so, yes, and I'm still competing in triathlon today. Um, it has been five years since I started the journey, mm-hmm. and um, it's just something that I really, really enjoy. And I love riding my bike. Um, I specifically love when I get to ride my bike outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a little bit of a wimp. And so this time of year living on the East coast, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't really get too many chances to ride my bike outside, but uh, sure. that'll start picking up here, uh, in, in just probably a couple weeks, maybe about a month, month and a half, yeah. depend, depending on what the weather does. Um, so yeah. Wow. Um, that is a tremendous story and I love it. And I actually have, uh, a bevy of follow-up questions, uh, kind of starting way back when you were a child. Um, I know, I know that childhood bullying is, at least in my opinion, it's a big problem because it leads to a lot of other problems that when left unresolved lead to even more problems. So, um, you as someone who suffered bullying um what advice would you give to parents to help kids who are going through bullying help kids who are being bullied or 
I guess, help parents help their kids not be bullies, if that makes sense. I, yeah, I, I think that um, the problem needs to be addressed with the bullies, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, because the, the person being bullied is defenseless. Right. Um, there's not really much that they could do. Like when I was a kid, I would react to the bullies and I would be the one who would get sure. in trouble because I'm reacting to them. And right. the teacher or anyone, they would never hear what the other kid was saying. So it was basically my word against theirs. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the, the root of the issue is the the bully. Um, and I know that there's a movement right now to stop bullying. And, and I think that that is absolutely amazing. Um, but obviously, it's going to take some time to mm -hmm. stop the bullying. And I think that the the biggest thing to teach kids who are being bullied is to remove themselves from the situation and also remind them that the person who is saying those words or doing those actions is not someone who is your friend. Mm. I never had someone who I was friends with ever say anything to me about my size ever not once wow. and so i feel like that's a very very important point to get across now obviously as they start to get older and you know you get into the middle school mm -hmm. and high school age range i think you can start to explain it on a little bit of a deeper level to your kids now, mind you, I I don't have kids, so I am purely just going off of <laughs> right what right, I your experience what I think, um, but I have spent a lot of time around kids of varying ages, being a coach, yeah. and so I think as they start to get older, you can explain to to them that listen, the person who's doing this, there's a deeper issue there. Like, there's a reason why they are doing that. There's some kind of insecurity that they have. There's something going on in their home life. There's something going on, you know, in their school life. There's there's a deeper issue and there's a deeper reason as to why this person is acting like this towards you. Right. And maybe they are being bullied. Maybe they have a bully that's an older sibling yeah. or they, they're being bullied by their parents. I mean, you, you just don't know. And so I think as you start to get to that older age, I think explaining it to them from that standpoint, mm -hmm. I, I mean, kids are smart, man. Kids are <laughs> really, really smart. And I think that they will understand that. And I think if they can understand that, they can be a little bit more understanding as to the position that 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 bully might be coming from that makes sense um i love how you say you just never know because uh, you really don't and you don't know what actions are going to cause uh, positive or negative reactions in other people and that, that's super important to to know and i love how you brought up that your friends never uh, for lack of a better term bullied you and as someone myself who has had the wonderful fortune of uh, finding a really good group of friends, 
what advice would you give to people who, like you, during certain periods of your life, or you know, struggled to find that group of friends? How, how can they find them? So I got involved with sports or activities. And that's how I found my group of friends. And so I got involved with football, you know, from a, a middle school age. And I found some friends through that where I got involved with um, lacrosse as I began to get older and had, you know, more friends that I made through there. Um, once I got to the age where I was working, um, I, you know, I got a job that was that interested me and began to make friends through there. So if you find things that you're interested in and then you go join groups or clubs or teams, you're going to find other people who share the same interests as you. Um, and so I feel like if you're not going solely to find a group of friends, you're going because it's something that you're truly interested in and making friends while you're there is something that's secondary Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to benefit you much more rather than going with the sole purpose of I'm just going to meet people. Like I'm just going to go join this club because I want to meet people. And I mean, mm -hmm. joining clubs to meet people is, is totally fine. But, sure. you know, you can't be disappointed when you're just joining a club to meet people and you don't, you know, end up making best friends with somebody who's there. Sure. I mean, if you don't share common interests, it's probably going to be pretty hard to find something. Well, I mean, not hard, but harder than it needs to be to find something that you both enjoy. Quick pause on the show, guys. Uh, like always, we seem to be talking about running, running again. And when you run, you need the correct nutrients. Otherwise, you're going to run out of energy and you're not going to be able to continue. So I would encourage you to go to One Mission Nutrition. We are a affiliate of One Mission Nutrition, and they actually have all the best supplements you could ever need. So they have proteins, pre-workouts, even green drinks, which I have my eye on right now. Um, and, and in fact, you can get a 10% discount going to One Mission Nutrition getting products just by going to allegiance.onemissionnutrition.com slash thehardthingpodcast. When you purchase anything there, it goes towards helping them create a strength box for a soldier overseas, which is basically a box of supplements sent to the soldier to help them gain strength, but also feel a little bit of home. So I'd encourage you to go to allegiance.onemissionnutrition.com slash the hard thing podcast, help the podcast out, help out One Mission Nutrition, but most importantly, help the troops overseas. While you're doing that, let's get back to the show. Um, I also imagine that someone who doesn't really think of themselves as having many friends, they might feel somewhat reluctant to go and try new things or go to activities. Um, what would you tell them or what advice would you give to someone who feels like I'm too shy to go to those activities in the first place, even though I really like the activity? That's a difficult one because, you know, if you are unhappy with the situation that you're in, mm -hmm. And you want to make a change, you're going to have to do something that's difficult. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do something that's hard. And so if going to a club is something that is going to be difficult for you, but you are unsatisfied with, you know, the situation that you're in as far as like you don't really have anyone to hang out with. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the 
pain of not having people to hang out with is going to be greater than the pain of just going to a club for the first time mm-hmm. that you're you're going to go to the club right and so yeah. you're going to ha- you have to do something that's difficult it's just the way that life is you have to make difficult decisions and you have to do things that are going to challenge you because if you don't do something that isn't a challenge for you then you're not going to see change yeah i love it um that's kind of you know the the whole theme of my podcast and uh really that you know there's always a cost and whether you pay it proactively or retroactively you pay the cost and based on the cost you pay the price you pay that's you know that's what you get you get what you pay for um and i'm actually curious that that moves me to something i was thinking about earlier but what were some of the things you had to sacrifice in your growth and transformation that uh, other people might look at and think i don't know if i would do that so this is actually this is this is kind of funny because um i had i don't when i had first gone through my weight loss journey Mm -hmm. i didn't really like to to bring it like I didn't really like to talk about it. Um, yeah. and I almost kind of like to, to keep it like a secret and I would rather <laughs> just be like, Oh yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a triathlete. Um, you know, I, I like competing in races and you know, it, if somebody asked about it, like, Oh, well, how did you get into that? Um, right. you know, I'd almost kind of like brush it off, but <laughs> when, when it would finally come out and people would ask me about my weight loss, you know, the first thing that people always, always ask is, oh, okay, so, you know, what did you stop eating? Like, let me guess, <laughs> you you didn't eat, you know, pizza or French fries or McDonald's or this or that. Right. And um, I am 110% addicted to two things. It's probably more than that, but there's two things that I'm like <laughs> – I'm definitely addicted to, and I will 100% admit it. The first thing Mm -hmm. is coffee. Um, I cannot live my life without coffee, and I understand that I have a caffeine addiction, but I just just love everything about coffee. I love making coffee. I love going to get coffee. I just love coffee, right? Mm. The other thing I absolutely love is I love bread in all forms, right? Mm -hmm. I love sourdough bread. I love French bread. I love fresh-baked bread. I love stale bread that you take and you cut and you put it in the oven and you put olive oil on it with Parmesan cheese. Like I just, I love all things bread. And so people would always say like, Oh, did you stop eating bread? (laughs) And I, I didn't. Right. So the diet part actually wasn't something that was difficult for me, but something that was difficult about being I don't want to say restrictive, but staying on track with a diet mm-hmm. was there were some times where I would have to say no thank you to something. And that was difficult. And it wasn't difficult to say no, but it was difficult because I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. I that makes sense. I didn't want to decline food that someone had made 
and spent a lot of time on and I didn't want them to think like, oh, he's saying no because he, you know, doesn't want that or he doesn't like my cooking or he thinks, he, you know, he's above this now because he's, mm-hmm. doing, you know, weight loss. and so um, at first it was difficult. But now, one, I think because people see that, you know, I've stuck with this for so long, they understand like where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you ex- if you take the time to explain it to them, it it's definitely it goes over a lot better if you explain it to them versus just saying, oh, no, I, I don't I don't eat that, you know. Yeah. So that was definitely something that was difficult. Um, and then the other thing that was difficult was as I started to get into fitness, I started to drift away from partying. Mm-hmm. And when you start to drift away from partying, you know, if that was the only time that you would see some of your friends, you don't get to really see them anymore. Um, so, you know, after a while I had to come up with different ways to, to see them because it didn't have anything to do with, you know, the consumption of alcohol. And I didn't, obviously I, I cut back on my alcohol consumption, but I didn't, I'm not sober. I I still consume alcohol. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was one of those things that was like difficult because, I didn't get to see the people that I was hanging out with sometimes, but I started to realize like if I went out, I wouldn't go to the gym the next day. Right. And in the very, very early stages, you, you know, whether you're just going to do your cardio or you have weights that day or, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just an easy day. Um, you still, you still need to go and get that work done. And I realized that if I went out and, got drunk i wasn't gonna go the next day so um you know those were two of the things that were that were difficult for sure i love how you you brought those up um and you're not the first person to say that you know as you work on your physical health you move away from partying i interviewed a guest just the other day that basically said the same thing he was partying a lot, and uh, as he delved into the fitness realm, he realized that you know certain habits of his weren't conducive to reaching his goals. And I also love how you say that it's not so much like you don't have to cut out certain foods completely, but you do have to monitor exactly what you eat and and mm-hmm. be very uh, proactive and and uh, intentional. And I really love how you point that out because it bugs me when people say like, oh, you shouldn't eat that. It's like, okay, no, it's, I mean, obviously if it's arsenic, you shouldn't eat it. But like, it doesn't matter what you eat, just how much and like the holistic picture um, with it. So uh, kind of another curiosity I had. So in your journey, you mentioned that um, you kind of hid things a lot. So you you would hide eating in front of people when you were younger, and then you would hide the the sleeping pills. And then even, um, interesting enough, when people ask you, hey, you know, uh, about your fitness journey, you would kind of hide that. Um, I have to wonder, you know, uh, what what kind of, I guess, mental work have you done and worked on uh, to kind of overcome that tendency? If, if that's not too hard a question. So I think, again, I'll go back to, you know, 
doing things that are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are somebody who is very large and overweight, you do anything and everything you possibly can to not be the center of attention, right? Mm-hmm. You do not want all eyes on you. You don't even want any eyes on you, right? right? And so I think that because of being that person for so long that didn't want any attention, um, I didn't want people to call attention to my weight loss journey, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was the thing that was most difficult about any of the other times that I had tried to start this journey. I would go into the gym and so many people knew me at the first gym that I worked at Mm -hmm. um, that they would come up to me and say, oh, hey, I see you're in the gym. That's great. Da, 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 da. And I understand what they were doing. Right. And I understand they were trying to be encouraging. But again, as somebody who's so overweight, you don't want that attention. You just don't want it at all. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, that that's 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 the root of it. At least that's that's my assumption. I've never, sure. talked, I've never talked to anyone professionally about it. Um, but my assumption is that it was just something that I was so used to, right? I didn't want to yeah. be the center of attention. So I did anything I could to not be the center of attention. Um, but as I started to share my journey, I started to share it on social media and a blog at first. And I just shared what was going on. Yeah. Um, and I think through doing that, um, you know, for a while, nobody knew who it was on the other side. But then as I started to share and I started to get support, I, I was getting support from people who I didn't even know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was putting things out there and I was starting to make friends just through sharing my story. And I was starting to connect and meet with people. And then I started to get messages about how sharing my story helped other people who yeah. were on the journey, just starting the journey, hadn't started the journey yet. And so the, the being uncomfortable, you know, standing in front of a group of people or coming on a podcast and sharing my story, that feeling of being uncomfortable, like I said, Mm -hmm. it got to the point where the feeling of helping people was so much stronger than the almost embarrassment of sharing the story that I just did it. And I, you know, I wanted to help people and I've always said that I wanted to help people. And one mm-hmm. way for me to do that is to share my story. So even though reaching out to people who have their podcast listed in the podcast guest email blast that comes out every <laughs> week is still difficult for me to do. Like yeah. I still look and read a description and say, oh, no, I wouldn't be a good fit for that. Like I still have that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but you start to realize like, what's the harm in just reaching out and saying, here's my story. If this would be a good fit, fantastic. Let's get connected. I would love to talk to you. If it's not going to be a good fit, I completely understand. Like the worst thing that can happen is they're going to say no. You're hearing no from somebody who you've never met before. Yeah. (laughs) It's not like you're hearing no from somebody who is deeply close to you and it would just absolutely crush you and yes the first time it is going to feel like it's crushing you but you know you start to grow and you start to try and you start to do it and and it just it gets a little bit easier every time yeah i I love it um you know basically back to doing hard things yeah so and and for the record I, i am glad that you you know reached out to me and we were able to get you on the podcast 
um, we are actually coming down to uh, you know the end of our time together. So I want to ask the questions I ask all of our guests. First one being, um, based on our conversation today, what one to three action items would you give our guests or our listeners uh, to to do today or this week to improve their life? So one to three action items that are going to help you like this week, no matter what it is that you need help with. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is you can't sit down at a table and eat an entire elephant all in one sitting, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to yeah. have to, you're going to have to cut that up and take it piece by piece and, and do it at small, you know, in small portions, which right. by the way, I, I, I don't, I don't, ever suggest eating elephant that's not what i'm saying i'm just using <laughs> it as a metaphor um, right but i feel like i do have to put that out there so <laughs> you have to take small steps right small actionable things so if it is something as far as getting your health back on track well if you haven't done any sort of physical activity for years upon years maybe just making a schedule for yourself to go out and walk for a few days over the course of the next week, right? Just go out and and walk. It's something that's very simple. You can take your kids with you. You can take your dog with you. You can take your significant other with you. It doesn't matter what you, you know, who you're going with, or you could be going completely by yourself, but that's a small actionable step. If it's you're in a job that you absolutely hate, Get on your computer, find that document of your resume, or make your resume if you (laughs) don't have one and get someone to look at it and get someone to help you along the way, right? So that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that you can do is the small action, action steps. Okay. The next thing is if you don't know where to start, and you don't know what small action steps to take, don't be afraid to find someone who is doing what you want to do and ask them what they did when they started. We are part of an absolutely amazing era where you have access to anyone in the world. You can find someone who looks exactly like you or looked exactly like you or is in a position that you are in or was in a position that you were in and you can talk to them and you can find out how they started, what they did, Mm -hmm. and you can take the action steps as well. So don't be afraid to find someone and reach out to them and ask them for help because guess what? Anybody who has gone on a journey of any type always happy to sit down and talk with somebody who is thinking about starting their own journey. I love so it. That's, that's two. The other thing is, and we've said it multiple times, but I'm sorry I have to use it again. <laughs> um, this is not going to be easy. And I want you to know that right now. Like, if you are getting started haven't started in the middle of it i just want you to know like this isn't going to be easy but at the first sign of adversity or challenge 
you can't stop there. You can't because without challenge, there is going to be no change. And so you have to face that challenge and figure out a way to get around it, get over it, get under it, get through it. It doesn't matter, but you got to you got to just keep pressing forward. I love it. Um, I actually just wrote down without challenge, there is going to be no change. Uh, that was that was very succinct, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone put it so simply. So uh, <laughs> that was awesome. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, now to the last question. Well, I guess second to last question. Um, what is the hardest thing you've ever done, and what did you learn from it? So remember I told you that we were going to get into my marathon. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it short because it doesn't have to be a long-winded story. <laughs> but that was still to this day the hardest thing that I've ever done. Traveling 26.2 miles on my own two feet was still to this day the hardest thing that I've ever done. And yeah. there are some very dark places that you go to mentally when you are doing a triathlon. Or I'm sorry, a marathon. But yes, when you do a triathlon as well. Um, sure. But the marathon was the hardest thing that I've ever done. And what did I learn from that experience? Well, I learned two things. One, I learned that you need to prepare, right? And I was prepared for that race, but I was underprepared and I should have prepared better. Right. And so through now finding, you know, a coach and people that can help me, um, I would be far more prepared for that type of, of situation. Um, mm-hmm. And second thing that I learned and this is not a joke, but it's something that I can at least look back on and laugh now is um, <laughs> I I did the marathon that was in Washington, D.C. And mm-hmm. the day before the race, I thought it would be a great idea to take my girlfriend on a tour of the National Mall because she had never seen it before. Yeah. So we walked the entire National Mall. Uh, from the Jefferson Memorial to the Washington Monument to the World War II. We saw the entire thing. We did not miss one single thing. And let me tell you, that was a very big mistake. (laughs) So that's kind of like my soft, like, that's what I learned not to, you know, I learned to do that the the day after the race. Um, But what I did seriously learn from that race is um, to, to, to be prepared and in order to be as prepared as you possibly can. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I love it. Um, wow, that was awesome. Uh, well, how can our listeners reach out to you, connect with you, and see what you're up to? So if you would like to see what I'm up to and you would like to connect with me on Instagram, you can search for my Instagram name. And all you have to do is type in do it for yourself and it's going to come right up. And the other thing that you could do that would really help me out is if you go to my website and that is the do it for yourself.com. So it's just T H E do it for yourself.com forward slash subscribe. That's going to get you to my podcast page. And so I started a podcast um, when uh, pretty much everyone else also started their podcast <laughs> a couple years ago, right? When podcasting yeah. was big. Um, and I was inspired by so many people who were podcasting. 
Um, but the other thing that I really wanted to do was I wanted to share stories of people who are on journeys of mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So whether it's a journey to start a new business or to lose weight or whatever it is, I want to share those stories. And I want to share stories of people who are uber famous on Instagram. And I mm-hmm. want to share stories of people who you would never know their name and you have no idea who they are. And yeah. they are, you know, Joe blue collar who would yeah. be your next door neighbor, um, but they are doing amazing things. So that's what I get to share on my podcast each week. It's amazing. And I love doing it. Um, so again, if you want to check out my podcast, go to the do it, for yourself.com with a forward slash subscribe and you'll find links to everywhere that you can get my podcast excellent well i hope our listeners definitely reach out to you but ian it has been such a pleasure having you on the show um i enjoyed listening to your story and being able to ask you questions about your experience and and the lessons you've shared and uh thank you so much for being on the show <laughs> oh absolutely justin thank you so much for getting in touch and for giving me the opportunity to come on and share my story. And thank you for um, your questions. I thought that they were absolutely fantastic. And I, I felt like they were deep and they made me think. So <laughs> I, I like that. Good. Mission accomplished, right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. On, on both of our parts. Thank you so much, Ian. You have a good one. Thanks, you too. Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast episode. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Ian. Um, he, he is, like I said, very articulate and he's just very calm and measured and, but not just that I'm impressed with his transformation and the insights he learned and is able to share. And I hope you do go and give his podcast a listen, um, you know, show it, show it some love and, uh, support him and help him tell his story because definitely more people need to hear it. Uh, in the meantime, you can also help our story by sharing the podcast with someone you know. Think of someone who really needs to hear this message and share it with them and hopefully help them live a better life. Uh, I think those are all the announcements today. It's been one heck of a show. I want to wish you the best of days, so have a good day until we talk again next on Thursday. Until then, do some hard things, and you will overcome average. Hey guys, one quick announcement for today's show, and you might have heard this already, even in today's episode, but uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys. Once in a lifetime, you have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, My guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up (laughs) Uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below. As well, you can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at The Hard Thing Podcast. This is first come, first serve, and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. 
It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down, having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, So look forward to having dinner with you.